Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what is up? Welcome back to the Millennial Way. I'm your host, Chase Coleman, and this is the best of season five. My personal favorite episode. I get to take bits and pieces from every single episode that happened this season and plug them right into here so that way you guys get to listen to this. This is so much fun. And we heard from some amazing guests this this season, y'all. First off, we started with Cam Maple, who is getting his MBA right now at the Wharton School, at, as you guys know, Penn University. And we hear from him on his thinking and how he was actually thinking about going in to get his MBA. And then we heard from Paul Riley, who is now getting his um, I'm sorry, getting his JD at Columbia University. He took the LSAT and he also worked at Dropbox in tech. So we talk a little bit about that. And then we switch gears and we talk to my man, Jordan Paris, who's been featured in Forbes. He's given a TEDx talk. And that actually reminds me, I need to reach out to him to see how he's doing. And frankly, if that TEDx talk is still going to be going on now, or if it's going to be postponed due to COVID, but we hear from him all about entrepreneurship and being an introvert and how he really changed himself. Then we hear from my man, Howard Behar, who's a founding international president of Starbucks Corporation. That's right. Founding president of Starbucks International. And we talked to him all about servant leadership and how to be a leader while also bringing other people into your life. Next, we hear from myself in Chase Live as I talk to the Stetson University stu uh, students and they ask some amazing questions. And then we switch gears again and talk to my man, Evan Coleman, all about relationships long distance relationships and how to maintain those relationships, especially during a time like this through COVID. Then we hear from the amazing Joe Thornton, who is a published author. I just finished his book, The Power of Or, and he shared some freaking gems. And not to mention, Joe just took a COO position at HMS Host, and now he's there and moved to DC. So we're wishing Joe the best of luck. Next, we hear from my man, Jameson Legrand, who works in HR at Pepsi. And we talk all about like getting ready for movement and how to be a and how to embrace yourself as a millennial throughout your career. Then we hear from one of my best friends. I mean, this was one of my funnest episodes because frankly, talking to your best friend and getting to have an interview while really just having a genuine conversation is all it was. But Spencer, Spencer, I almost called him Spencer University, Spencer Whitaker, my man. And we talked all about time and career management. If you guys remember, Spence is not only working full-time at Universal Creative, but he's also getting his JD degree at Florida A&M University. Very, very interesting and also very difficult to manage. And then lastly, we have our repeat guest, my woman, who I, I, I can't say enough about her, but Melanie Stewart, who's been kicking ass at Google. We hear all from her about being an introvert, working in sales, and we dive a little bit deeper into her career. Now, y'all, I'm really excited to start start this going and getting the best of season five on underway. But real quickly, I just had to let you guys know I am giving a webinar at Stetson University today on landing your first job, and it has tips on COVID-19 on it. Now, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to land a job during COVID-19 when it, in an unprecedented time, as you know the news likes to call it, where jobs aren't necessarily and jobs are more at a scarcity than they are ever have ever been before, especially coming out of a bull market. And I really wanted to take a step back and really help a lot of college graduates, especially those who had to graduate virtually, which absolutely sucks. But 
I wanted to give you guys a good understanding of the fact that you can still land a job right now and there are still things that you can do. And this is the perfect time to be networking and reaching out to people on LinkedIn. And guys, after this webinar, I'm actually going to post the PDF on itsmillennialtalk.com. So that way everyone has access to it and it's going to be absolutely free. I don't believe in charging for this type of content, to be honest with you guys. This is stuff that colleges need to be teaching you, but they're not. And frankly, it's it's disappointing in my eyes, but that's what I'm here for. I really am passionate about helping every single one of you guys, and this is going to be so much fun. So look out for that PDF. You'll see it on social media. You'll see a lot of uh, different posts about it because we're just going to get, get it out there to you guys. And then lastly, I want to update you all on my book. It's coming out in August-ish. And I am so excited. I'm, I have this webinar that's coming up. I have two more that I'm actually creating right now. And we're going to mesh all of those together, all about landing your first job, getting your uh, career started off on the right foot. And then we're also going to sprinkle in some tips on interviewing and how to really go about landing your first job, right? So it starts from a strategic lens, then it goes tactically, then we're going to stay tactical until you had to get through the first 30, 60, 90 days. And with that, I am super excited to get into the best of season five. Let's hear from our first guest, Cam Maple. For you is as someone who's thinking about an MBA kind of later in life, who is a little bit more nervous to jump the gun. And I would say like, leave my career, which is something that like, I always wanted to get started to go back and take the time to educate myself what would you tell me in terms of like the full-time MBA versus the online and evening MBAs? Yeah. Hey, that's a heavy hitting question, Chase, but let's get into it. (laughs) So I think my perspective on the MBA and one of the big reasons that I felt like it was the right next step for me was you think about where you are now, right? You're getting of your career, like getting into that next phase, right? You've, you've already moving into your next role, uh, starting with a new company and things like that. And you're trying to build rapport with people, get to know sort of how to navigate this new environment, this new place and an institution essentially. And, you know, one of the things that I think is always important to keep in mind is what the long-term trajectory looks like, both inside the current organization where you sit, but also outside of it. And so for me, one of the reasons that I think an MBA is a really great opportunity is because at particularly the point of the career or of our careers where I was before I left to come to business school and where you are now, you're just hustling, busting your ass, trying to do as good as you can to get to that next position or that promotion or what have you. And I think it's easy to get lost in that and to lose clarity with regard to what your overall long-term trajectory looks like and where you want to take your career in the long-term. And so for me, I really had to dig deep and think about where I wanted to be, not in two to four years, but in five to 10 years. And I was like, I think having some of the training that the MBA exposes you to would set me up for greater success. And we can get into later too, what some of the misconceptions I think I had about coming to business school. But one of the things I'd say is one of the common conversations I have a lot with a lot of my colleagues and friends in business school right now is that there's not a particular skill set that you walk away 
from business school saying like, wow, I'm really excited. I know how to like read a balance sheet or, you know, <laughs> I had a chance to like learn economics again or whatever, because I didn't pay attention to undergrad. That's not really what you walk away with it from. What I've really valued, and again, first semester of four down, so still have a ways to go. But what I really love is the opportunity to step back from that rat race that is trying to get promoted, trying to move up in your career, trying to get to know people and go to the next step in the next company and just have the space to think and really strategize for where I want to take my long-term career, thinking about questions like what impact do I want to have on the world? What's important to me, both personally, professionally, like what type of friends do I want to have? Like what are the relationships I want to value as I continue to go back into the real world and and sort of get back into the rat race of things. Uh, so those are some of the big questions I've been thinking about uh, a lot over the last semester. And I think the MBA gives you time to do that in a way that's much more intentional than you tend to have when you're just kind of on that day-to-day grind working. So yeah. I really value that experience. No, I love that. And I... But I think one thing I'll say too is people don't realize, and I think because with my whole visa experience, I received that offer, uh, I think right before Thanksgiving of my senior year. And I was grateful for that experience. But I often tell people like when I go back to do alumni talks, when I'm talking to people who are still in their senior year, I'm like, you will never have this much time again. You'll never have nine months of, (laughs) um, you know, you're still working senior year. That senior writers hasn't kicked in just yet, but you'll never have that time to really be thoughtful about what do I want to do? Or I don't have to necessarily take that first off or I can wait and wait it out and realize that something may come in the spring. And I think it's being comfortable with that ambiguity, but realizing that not that once you choose your first job, you're sort of pigeonholed, but you'll never just have that time to be in a space of college where you can think about what it is that I want to do. And, you know, this is the time to really be risk oriented. I maybe want to try that. Let me explore that. And it doesn't have to be, let me apply, but let me do that coffee chat. Let me yep. try to connect with someone in that space. Because again, just that time is so, it doesn't feel like much in that moment, but once you leave, it's so hard. Once you leave, it's so hard to sort of get those experiences um, in a thoughtful way where you don't have to worry about, oh, if I leave this job, I have to give them two weeks notice and I have to make sure I don't lose income in the middle of that gap that I'm taking. All yeah. these different factors that come about after you leave. So just being mindful of that. hone in on your storytelling skills well, i wouldn't really like i wouldn't liken the two to each other um you know it's been really difficult the process you know i got this opportunity on november 9th to to be able to like do this do this talk and i you know didn't do anything for a month and then i had to turn in an outline uh beginning of this you know beginning middle of december um it was okay um but i wasn't i i i wasn't certain about what i was going to say or anything i was accepted for i'm not even eh, i was accepted for why college is something along the lines of like why college is a waste of time and a huge financial scam and it's 
it is at that talk. It, it is absolutely not that talk anymore. Like it's almost, it's a, it's acknowledging the bad in college, but also honoring the good, acknowledging the good. And, you know, here's four ways that, you know, we can make the most of it or pretty much like college is useless unless you do these four things. Like it's absolutely yeah. worthless unless you do these four things that I'm talking about right here. So that's what the talk is now. But to get there, man, it was, it was horrible. Like I was so depressed about it. Like end of January. Yeah. End of January. Oh my God, man. It was just, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. This talk. It is, I've given speeches before, but I just, I'm such a natural speaker or so people tell me that I just get up there and talk and I don't really prepare. And yeah. it goes really, really, really well. Yeah. This is not one of those things things really you know they want you to outline they they need you to turn in a full word draft and so i you know i played i did play by those rules and um it was really hard um and i wasn't happy with where it was at and the outline i turned in it was like i just felt like a complainer yeah and so i was like this is something's got to give here you know this is this is not good i can't trot this out there um i've spent the last two years of my life tearing down education i it, it just awareness is the first step, but I got to move on now. Like, and so it, I've taken a much more mature Avenue in this talk. And, uh, and I, and, and I, you know, to get it, I've never written a talk out before. So my, my speaking coach, his name is, uh, I'll show you the book. People can't see it, but his name's John Bates. And, um, he, he's not, at this, like, I, you know, you have your own speaking person with, uh, you know, that you work with, with at, at the, at the specific event, but this person isn't affiliate. My speaking coach isn't affiliated with the event. He's just, a, okay. he's a speaking coach for hire. And yeah. so I enlisted him for his services and, and, um, and, and he's been great. And, you know, one of the things that, that he, you know, when I was really stuck was like, you know, go get, Go buy some post-it notes. I didn't have post-it notes. I was like, I was like, what can I do? What can I do besides post-it notes? Like, what can I use? And he's like, no, buy post-it notes, um, and just write out every single thought and idea like on a post-it note. One one idea per post-it note, and just put them all over the wall, table, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and they're still there on the, on on one of my tables out there. And um, and and so then I sorted it in, in like, you know, the, the order, not chronological order, but the order that would be most intriguing, the order that would be best to tell this story, the talk in. And then from there, I had all these post-it notes in a relative order. Um, you know, you eliminate some post -it, you, you eliminate like half of the post-it notes that I wrote and then deal with like, you know, like a separate between the good and bad and, you know, lay them out, put them in the best order and then start writing from there. And I wrote it in about four days and I got it in the day that it was due when they were, when, you know, the organizers told me like, you know, we can extend the deadline for you. And I said, I said, no, that's not going to help me. Like, I'm just gonna be behind. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, a, it's going to be a bad talk. It's going to be, I'm going to be less prepared than everyone else. So no, hold me to this deadline, mm -hmm. hold me to it. And so they did and I got it done and, uh, and I've tweaked it and, gone with my coach over like the best, you know, we've reorganized, restructured things, in, you know, into the most intriguing way. You know, one of the things that comes to mind, and I'll, I'll go down this avenue here, uh, it, in medias res, I think, is, is this concept. Um, I'm going to figure out what it means. Hold on. 
in media medias res in medias res into the middle of a narrative without preamble so you notice like notice like every movie every good movie most documentaries they'll start at this really intriguing intense maybe confusing maybe really dramatic point yeah and then it'll cut like okay how did we get there so example catch me if you can with tom hanks and uh leonardo dicaprio they start Leonardo DiCaprio like like pretending to be like he's he's like dying, but he's actually just pretending, and then he ends up escaping, and then bam, cut. And then okay, how did we get there? And two hours later, they show that scene again, <laughs> and then the Ted Bundy movie, and you know they start out the first scene in the movie is actually the last scene, mm-hmm. and the first the first scene it's nineteen eighty nine. Uh, like a day or two before Ted is going to be executed and he's with his girlfriend from 1974 that ended up ratting him out to the police originally. And, and they're having, and they're having a conversation between, you know, in the prison, like between the, the glass on the, on the telephone and, and then, and they're talking and it's like, bam, cut. How did we get there? And two hours later they show it again. And this is like, so, so, and so it's a, it's a story. It's into the middle. Without preamble, they just show yeah. that scene without context or anything. They just show that scene. And so that's how we've sort of structured my talk here. And that's so amazing. I'm really, really confident in it. Like, like here, here's what, here's how most people, a lot of people structure their talk. They get out. Here's what not to do. Hi, I'm Jordan Paris. It's so, I'm so grateful that. I'm here today and that you're here today and uh, yeah, just really thankful and glad you're here. Yeah. Okay. And now what I'm going to talk about is this, and then I'm going to talk about that. And then we're going to finish with this. Nobody's listening anymore. <laughs> People are deciding in those it's first like seven seconds. What did you say? <laughs> I said, it's like a professor giving a lecture. Like right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Out. Nobody listens. Nobody listens to those. And that's why our, uh, that's one of the many reasons why our academics in our education system is just in uh, a horrible state right now. But yeah, people are deciding those first seven seconds, like, am I going to listen to this or not? And you got to like, you got to come out guns blazing. (laughs) You you really do. So uh, I'm very, very confident in it now. And it's getting to the point where like, I don't even need to read it anymore. I don't need to have it in front of me. Like I'm just walking around my house, like saying it. And when two days ago, that wasn't the case. And I still have like 28 days to go. So I'm, I'm really, really happy with where it's at. treating others with respect and dignity, no matter whether they're perfect human beings or not, unless they abuse you, of course, you know, I'm not talking about that. But um, so when you go to work in an organization, try to focus not on building your resume, but building your life. Too many people get focused on themselves and building their resume. And that becomes the be all end all. And uh, when you when you focus on building a life, then you're focusing not only on yourself, but you're focusing on others because a life includes others. And don't mm-hmm. aim for a happy life. Aim for a fulfilling life. And there's a big difference. Happiness is part of fulfillment, but it's, it comes and it goes. Fulfillment is about uh, 
uh, living through joy, living through pain, living through disappointment, living through sorrow, living, living through happiness, living through accomplishment, living through failure, you know, living through pain, living through sorrow, all of the things that go into building a whole life. And I think a lot of people, it's not just millennials, think that all, their whole life should be just happy, full of joy. All, everything is good every day. It's not like that. And it's not like that in the workplace. And you'll be disappointed. You know, you, you know, maybe you're looking for a promotion and you don't get it. Don't get your head down. Just keep working at it and ask the questions. What do I need to do to get to the next step? And then work on those things. And, you know, uh, I, I make and the other thing is make sure that you're working in an organization where your values align with the organization's values. Don't get yourself in an organization where the where your values don't align with the organization's values, because that that is a painful experience. You know, I've known a lot of people that have stayed in organizations where they absolutely don't align. You know, the organization doesn't care about people. The, the boss uh, says people are our most important asset, but treats them as assets, treats mm -hmm. them as like they own them. And don't, don't, you have, you're a, have free will. That doesn't mean go quit your job tomorrow, but get yourself in a position so that you can do that if it's, if you're, if the value, your values aren't aligning with an organization. And because that is one of the most important things is it's like, like having values that align with your significant others. If, if you, if you get married and all of a sudden you, you find out that your husband or wife is a shoplifter and, and they're bringing you stuff every day, but that doesn't align with your values, then either that person has to change or you need to move on. And it's Absolutely. the same, same in the workplace. Who you are is who you are. And you have to be able to live that in your place of work. And that's usually why people are unhappy. And so it, it's little, it's simple things. And, you know, if you want to accomplish great things in your life, whatever those things happen to be, then you got to give it your all. You know, you, you have you have to have a it all has to be a purpose greater than yourself. And I try to live by that. What I call a, what I call my six P's. Everything I do in life has to have a purpose bigger than me, greater than myself. Everything I do in life, I have to be passionate about. If I'm going to have a purpose greater than myself, then I better be really energetic about it and passionate about it. And then uh, uh, everything I, I do in life. I have to have patience for, you know, not everything comes in the, in the time frame that I want it to come. Uh, you know, sometimes I have to have patience. Um, and then persistence matters, you know, uh, it won't always, you know, come fast. There are lots of rocks in the river that you don't even know about. And you're going to hit those rocks, figure out how to get over them, around them, under them, or through them, you know, or, or, or change your course a little bit. Uh, so persistence matters. And then, Performance, it really matters. People don't like to be measured. The facts are we're getting measured every day. And the most important we, person we have to measure ourselves for is ourselves. You know, we should know more about how we're performing than anybody else. And we should acknowledge it for ourselves. If you're not doing the job, figure out how to do the job. You know, and be honest with yourself. And, and because performance matters in all aspects of our life, whether you're married, whether you have a significant other, uh, whether you're working, it doesn't make any difference. We're all getting measured every day, and we have to get comfortable with that. A lot of people are not. They don't want to be measured. You know, they hate it. They don't, you know, uh, but facts are we, we get measured like it or not. And, you know, if you get married, you find out maybe your significant other won't say anything other to you, say anything to you about something. 
all of a sudden it explodes, right? Because they haven't <laughs> been communicating with you all along. So, you know, you know, be, you know, be a performer. Then the final P, the sixth P, is everything is about people. And so I live my life like that. And so I think if if you in workplace, you should, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. So be clear about your goals. Be clear about what your mission as life is and be clear about how you want to live your life. I love that. I love that. And thank you. Thank you so much for walking us through that, because I think your first tip on um, luck is where preparation and opportunity meet is it's it's spot on. Right. And, and everything, I think. Like the one like underlying theme that kind of comes through all of that is just continuing to work hard. And with your talking about persistence and continuing to push through the different rocks, whether you go over, under, or through it, the one thing that we can always do and the one thing that I was taught as an athlete growing up was the only thing that you can control is how hard you work. That's you it. can't control everything else that goes on in the universe. And those opportunities might not always come about, but the one thing that you never want to do is be unprepared for those opportunities because it might never come ever again. Right. And our, my football coaches in college always told us that prior planning prevents poor performance. And the more that I, I sat down and kind of thought about that, the more I realized it to be true because the more time that I put into something from the upfront, it always made it a lot easier, whether it was practicing super hard for a week to have a game on a Saturday or putting a lot of time into, you know, an outline for a deck to make sure. <laughs> um, I have a question. So after college, there's not a lot of structure to uh, learning. So where would you say you've learned the most? It could be either personal or professional. Yeah, no, I, I I love that question, Melissa. I think, so I'll start with this. I think learning is a key aspect of life. And I think if you want to grow in your life personally or professionally, you have to continue to challenge yourself to learn. Um, the one thing I noticed in my career just year one was that I was spending a lot of time at the office and I wasn't spending a lot of time working on myself. And I started my blog at that time, which ended up turning into this podcast, which has been a lot of fun. And I've learned a lot through that just by trial and error. Um, I mean, shit, like trial and error every hour, if not every day. Um, but the biggest thing for me was actually looking up different courses that could help me in my professional life. So I knew in my in year one in my career that I was not good at analytics at all. Like finances and understanding numbers and how numbers drive a business was not my strong suit at all. And I... I personally do not like being bad at things. I would, I'd rather be average at something than I'd rather be bad at it. And again, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I like to be quote unquote well-rounded. So that way I can at least speak to things and at least sound knowledgeable when I'm speaking to things. So one thing that I did was I started investing in myself. Um, I started taking online courses. There's great courses. Um, Harvard Business School Online actually has some really, really great courses. They have about seven of them and they it's a obviously a prestigious school, right? And I took a um, analytics course, a business analytics course through them. It was about fifteen hundred dollars, so it's a it's a little expensive, but you can finance it. And quite frankly, when you think about it over the course of like twelve months, a hundred bucks a month when you're making a salary really isn't too bad. Um, or you could put it over twenty four months and pay fifty bucks a month, right? Like you can you can make it work. But investing in myself was the biggest thing that that has helped me professionally and personally. Be, because by taking that course over eight weeks, I 
literally sat down and I was studying every night. I was doing different things for it. And it wasn't that extensive, but I wanted to get an A in the course and ended up getting a, um, the certificate with the highest honors that you can because of how well I did in the course. But not only did I, was I able to, to take that course and take that time to really help myself learn, but then I started applying that into my work. And that was the funnest part about it was because like my manager was looking at me and he was like, how the hell did you do this so quickly? And I'm like, oh, well, remember I told you I was taking this course? And he was like, you learned. And it's like, that's been the most fun for me. So like being able to take courses and really investing in yourself. And there's also LinkedIn has courses that are like free that you can take. And they don't have to be like eight week courses. They don't have to be eight month courses. They don't have to be, you know, a month course. Like it could literally be a, to a two hour course that you take and that you learn. I'll, I'll give you one other example. So last night uh, for my podcast, I actually bought this brand new um, like audio service and my producer is the one who works on it. But I was like, I don't know how the hell this works. So if he has a question for me, I'm not going to be able to answer it for him. So I spent two hours last night just on YouTube, like looking up like how to do Ad Adobe Audition. How am I supposed to actually like work in this? How can I record? How can I send stuff? How can I cut and splice? So that way I at least had the knowledge. So when my producer starts working in it, he could be like, dude, do you know how to add an effect to this? And I could be like, wait, I learned this in my YouTube video and I could, and I could show you real quickly. Right. So I would say just being curious about different things, even if it doesn't even relay into your work and just really going out there and taking the initiative to help yourself, to help yourself learn. Um, because at the end of the day, like once you graduate college, you don't have a teacher to help you understand what you're good and what you're bad at. And I would just say kind of like looking I wouldn't say you're bad at, but what you're good and what you have your opportunities at, because you could always get better at things. And I think taking the time to just sit down and learn it in a very um, like intentional way. That I would say, and again, we hear it all the time. It's cliche, but it's, it rings so true. Be yourself. Like you can't, you can't start a relationship. You can't start that foundation if you're not yourself because you're building on something that's not true. So one, you, you gotta be yourself. You gotta just be you. Um, and if you're, if you're happy with yourself, if you're building to who you want to become, you'll attract the right people. Um, again, I know that sounds super cliche, but um, I really think being yourself first and foremost uh, will set you on the right foundation. Um, two, um, I would say try new things. I think, you know, change is, is the great um, kind of growth factor in life. Um, I think challenging yourself with new experiences, new activities, whether that be, you know, going to a new place that you haven't really been to before, whether that be a bar or a club or a lounge or, um, you know, even getting your core group of friends together and trying something new, whether that be an escape room or just like a group activity, a group outing. Um, I think that just that constant change allows you to be a very well-rounded person. Um, and again, that'll allow you to speak to so many different perspectives, so many different experiences. Like for you, for example, like, you have been, you know, you were born and raised, sorry, you were born in Cali. You were raised in, you know, suburban Atlanta. You then went to Florida for college and then you're now on the West Coast. 
Um, so you've kind of trekked so many different places within your life in this short amount of time, but within that you have so many different experiences that you can lean on, um, to where like people in your environment, you know, they may have never been to the South. They may have never been to Atlanta or Florida. So I think, yeah, that's just kind of a differentiating factor for yourself to make you stand out and kind of, you know, again, it's you being yourself, but you have unique experiences that uh, you can bring to the table. Yeah, you know, it's a tough one, Chase, uh, particularly as you're moving up in organizations and one when you're a leader of people uh, and certainly when you're a leader of leaders, uh, because people are always looking to you and they're watching everything you say and everything you do. And again, to my point earlier about generations, but you've also got this cohort ahead of you, you know, who is still by and large a bit more conservative conservative in all sorts of ways, whether it's dress, whether they, the way they think about certain worldly issues and how do you integrate who you are and not, frankly, be offensive, right, in, in the work environment. And so it's quite um, a narrow, narrow uh, line to walk. And so I think a lot of it is just observation and it's really listening for those cues inside of an organization. You know, recently as part of a, uh, a new book that I'm writing, there's a piece where uh, I talk about visible tattoos in the workplace, right? And that's, uh, there's stats today that say 73% of the U.S. population have at least one tattoo. But you also have in polling, uh, at least half the population is not accepting of that in the workplace. And so there, there is a bit of a, uh, an issue here with how do you, how do you be yourself and be within guidelines of an organization, but also organizations are changing, as which I think is great, and being more uh, open-minded than ever before. But my point of sharing that example is it hasn't happened overnight. I mean, this has been a slow mm -hmm. movement over the last 20 years. And so uh, I think it really is almost organizational specific about where they stand. You know, I can remember many, many years ago, Best Buy, when you look at large uh, retailers, is one of the first to just be open about employees having visible tattoos. And what they learned at the end of the day is, you know what? People didn't stop shopping there. You know, it, it had it had very little impact on the consumer experience. What I found in some of my own interviews with executives, by the way, not to digress too far, is that it was their own views that were holding up the organization. It wasn't what the customers were saying. And, you know, it, other organizations have had to find their way. So part of it uh, goes back to the research you do on the organization that you want to go work for and the things that you can find out before you go into the environment. But in the end, I think to your point about the, the imposter syndrome is that, I mean, listen, if you get in there three months, six months, nine months, and you still don't feel like you can be your authentic self, it may truly not be the place for you. Um, so I think yeah, that's, yeah. that's something you really have to think about on your journey. I got one more topic for you, James, and we're about to help some damn millennials out. If you had a couple tips for some millennials, particularly coming into the work environment, and I'm sure 
like you've touched on this already, like just being a good human being, like having good values, good morals and really being grounded. But what would be your tips for a millennial who's just graduating college and going out into the workforce today? Yeah, no. And, and I think that's a great question. And I am going to answer it in, in a kind of a tree branch of ways. Yeah. Um, the first is going to be kind of with an example of ways that I've seen it fail. Um, and, and hopefully it could be a, a learning point for those who are listening. But, you know, I've seen extremely, extremely talented and extremely, extremely driven, smart, um, you know, just grade A students, grade A business people coming out of college, immediately out of college, and they're hungry and they're driven and all they want to do is take on the world. And They get in the role that they're in, which is that role where it's supposed to humble you. It's supposed to where you kind of take a seat back and you just sit back and learn. And they take that role for granted and they don't look at their role that they're in they look four roles in advance. And I'm not saying that it's it's that you shouldn't set goals. Like, yes, set that goal for four roles in advance. But do it knowing that you have to master what you're in today first. And so the biggest mistake I've seen is people getting into a role and thinking that they're already better than the role they're in and then asking for the next role or saying, hey, I'm ready for the next role. I'm ready for the next role. And sure, great attitude to say, hey, I'm good and I, and I want to move up. But once you get that feedback, take the feedback. Hey, you're not ready yet. You need to do A, B, and C. Or hey, if they don't even give you A, B, and C, make sure they give you that A, B, and C. But take it to heart and fix those things and dive into those things. Don't just brush it off and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I don't believe your feedback. I'm ready. And, you know, maybe somebody else will tell you, actually, hey, you're not ready. You've only been enrolled a few months. No, I'm ready. So <laughs> long example there. But my thing, my, my the first piece I would say is that Sometimes millennials, we get too big-headed. We get we, we think that we are too great, and we don't take today and master today. We are already seven steps ahead. And don't get me wrong. I'm seven steps ahead, but I guarantee you I'm focusing on today because I know that that's the first step to get seven steps ahead. Absolutely. So that's my first one. Second one, more of a positive spin. Um, and, and it's kind of taking that – passion that I just talked about with the person where they drove it in the wrong direction. And it's, it's really about owning your career and, and owning, I say the moment, like I was just talking about, but owning the moment. And so another example, Hey, you're, you're tasked with creating this PowerPoint to deliver a, a simple message. You can just put some bullet points on a slide. Did you, did you get the job done? Did you deliver the message? Yes. But did you take it to the next level? Did you understand why the message was being delivered? Did you understand how was the best way to deliver that message based off the audience you were talking to? Did you understand the sustainable piece of the message? Are they going to remember this message in a week, in two weeks, in three weeks? And if you're not thinking about the holistic view of what you're doing, then you're wasting the skills that you have. And I think we get in that we're in a world of do, do, do right now is good. And I need immediate satisfaction and so if you tell me i need to deliver this message i'm going to deliver it but you're not thinking of the big picture and it's people who can take that second and think about the bigger picture think about how it's going to impact those around them think about how are they going to perceive the way that you're delivering that message and not just take the the action as an action but take it as a challenge to make it better 
uh, you know, those are the people who, who those who can do that are the millennials who can really be successful because we're, we have a unique mindset. You know, we think about things differently. We're coming with a different perspective, and we have to put that into work. But people aren't just going to immediately say, "Okay, you're great, you're good, you're gonna, you know, solve the solve this issue, deliver this message." You know, we have to show that we can do that. And once you show that you can do that, the people are going to start to expect that from you, and you're going to start to get asked to deliver a lot more messages. And, you know, those messages are going to go from delivering it to, you know, a one-year employee to the CEO if you keep thinking about it with that mindset of the whole picture, the who, the how, the what, the why, and not just taking it as a, hey, they told me to do it, and I'm going to do it because they said I I needed to do it. So summing that all up, it's – Using your skills to take you to the next level by owning. You just led to something there, too, that, you know, a lot of people, you know, you hear a lot of talk about the politics that go into, you know, corporate America and. I think the first thing that you need to realize if you want to work in, in, in any type of corporate setting is there will be a certain aspect of politics to that. And for you know young aspiring millennials like us, I like to view that in the positive because there are so many things that I have learned and taken away from different scenarios that I've been put in that have helped me kind of groom myself to these different um, you know these different traits that I view to be extremely beneficial for me. Um, and one of those things that I know that you and I talked about a lot was what was knowing what to share with people that you work with and what to keep to yourself. And, and you made reference to that when you're talking about, you know, your difference in cultures is some places are very receptive to, to you hearing, um, you know, to, to, to you talking about the different things that you do and your different aspirations. Whereas in other industries and in other offices, it may not be as well received. Um, so I think that, you know, for, for young aspiring millennials, the one thing you need to realize is that there are- I was an introvert. I think that's an interesting question. And then we can get on to sales at Google. I think what makes me somewhat successful or teed up for success in a sales career as an introvert is because I can listen and I'm a good listener. Right. So I'm willing to not take up space in a room. Right. And let clients speak, hash out their ideas, show me what they actually need. So that way, when I do speak up and sell to them, it's something that lands. Right. And, and fits into their strategy versus um, I've seen I've been in rooms where people, salespeople want to own the room and own the conversation and they don't take the time to listen. Um, and it really does not set them up for success. So I will say it's it's challenging um, and a little bit exhausting, but very rewarding. And I think you can play to your strengths even as an introvert in a sales career. But yeah, that aside, sales at Google, um, it's an interesting space because we own the product, right? So think search, programmatic, display, YouTube, all of it. Um, but we also fit into a landscape that's evolving day over day, whether that be in things that we can't control, like regulation or um, ITP, you know, when Apple put out their cookie list policy, for lack of a better term, right? Like the, a lot of these things we can't control, a lot of these things we can, um, but 
me as a salesperson, I'm not the one making the product, right? And a lot of the time I'm not ahead of our updates. So it's like, how can we best know what's going on? So the long story short is knowledge comes first uh, based on what we're selling, us at Google, uh, what the industry is doing. I work in travel right now as a vertical. So um, I'm constantly reading Skift and all these other you know, travel updates just in terms of what's happening in the industry, what are the big players doing? And then finally, digital, right, landscape, what regulations are coming down, how can we best react, how can we be forward thinkers, how can we be thought leaders? And when we are successful in selling as a team to our clients, it's because we are thought leaders and we are consultants, right? And we know what we're good at and we know what our competitors are good at. And a lot of the time, it's less about us selling X dollars and more about saying, here's a mindset shift, right? Like, here's how you need to think about advertising. And here's how Google fits into that puzzle, right? With your other stack of competitors, right? Because you need to be using all of them too. Um, and we look at the business holistically, and that's when we're able to win and scale. So I think knowledge is the first piece and consultant kind of methodology is the second. No. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore millennial way. And check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next Winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is The Millennial Way, tailoring the next generation of leaders.